Welcome to Mostly Mosquitoes with Josh Neely. It's the podcast that takes the sting out of those annoying pests. Hey there, Charlie McDermott. I am back in the Mosquito Marshals studio here with Josh Neely. Josh, how you doing? I'm doing well this morning. How are you, Charlie? I'm doing terrific, Josh. And uh, I'm going to jump right into this because, you know, what I love about what you do, uh, besides the fact that you keep all those pesky mosquitoes and I guess other types of pesky insects away from annoying my wonderful day in the backyard. Um, very customized. You know, you you have these, uh, in, in one of the first conversations you talked about and mosquito traps. In fact, in the last episode, I think you had some. Do you remember that? In your office, you had just yeah, gotten I had uh, just picked up a couple of collection bags that morning. So Yeah, yeah. And I thought, wow, you know, how cool is that and but more importantly hey it's not about the coolness factor although you are a cool guy if our listeners could see you they go yeah josh is he's cool man um (laughs) uh, it's about making sure that the treatment is effective for the environment and what i've learned from you uh is all environments are unique and different and if you don't start with kind of a game plan, understanding what's there. You're just kind of like throwing darts blindfolded. Is that a good analogy? Absolutely. Um, especially in, in this region of the country, uh, here in South Florida, we've got, you know, now it's up to three different species of mosquitoes that are, um, that are, that are very resistant to pesticides. There's one species that's completely resistant. That's the 80s Egypti. The other two species, uh, the most commonly used pesticides are down to about a 30% mortality rate on those insects. So that means that every time you spray a pesticide to kill them, 70% of them are surviving. So that number is only going to increase up to, you know, the, what is it, 98% survival rate with Aedes aegypti now. So once those two species join Aedes aegypti above 90%, it's going to be very, very difficult to get a handle on those populations. Uh, and that's kind of where trapping comes in, because whenever we go out to new property, one of the first things we always do is set out overnight traps. And uh, I mean, if it's, you know, the neighbor to a property that we're already servicing, sometimes we don't, we feel pretty confident that, yeah. you know, with all the surveillance we're doing in the yard <laughs> next door, that that can suffice. Uh, but most of the time we do set out traps and that allows us to identify the species to, you know, see if it is one of the mosquitoes that is resistant to pesticides. And if that is the case, then move forward from there with our larviciding program. Uh, we use uh, several, <coughs> excuse me, several botanical products to combat the pesticide resistance and uh, really just base the entire treatment plan based on the type of mosquito mosquito that we're dealing with. So um, once we, you know, set out the traps, we come back and collect them the next morning, take the collection bags back to the office, lay them out on the desk, put them under the neath microscope, identify the individual mosquito species, and then uh, build our treatment around what we're dealing with. Hmm. Wow. Wow. So again, very specific to the environment. And, um, you know, I, in past conversations, uh, you share with me that there are certain neighborhoods and or certain customers you've, you've turned down the offer to service their properties. Uh, um, and I thought, and it had nothing to do with 
you know, the individual, it was all about that. You just know from experience and from doing what you do and the traps that, uh, the mosquitoes, you know, what is it that, that they, they come from other areas that if you can't treat those other areas, then there's nothing you can do with the specific property. Do you mind talking about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so usually there would only be one or maybe two reasons that I would ever, you know, tell a customer that I'd, I'm sorry, there's not much I can do for you. Uh, the main reason would be uh, that there's just nothing to really treat. So for instance, uh, a lot of times with new builds, like a customer will uh, give us a call and they'll have just moved into a new house or just built a new house. Uh, and, you know, it's doesn't really have landscaping around it yet. It's in the middle of like uh, a large open area. And there's basically just a fence in the backyard and not really much else. And in those instances, you know, typically you're going to have higher winds in that, that area. You're going to have uh, just nothing really to, to be able to treat to stop any mosquitoes from coming on property. Uh, really, that's, that's the only thing that we need uh, in order for the service to, to work really effectively is just areas to treat. So yeah, we typically yeah. look for foliage, um, any kind of eaves or, or you know, lanai's coverings, anything that provides a mosquito with a place to shelter from the sun and the wind during the day while it waits for a blood mill. Um, and really, that's the only reason that, you know, we, we turn customers down. But we do that fairly routinely uh, down here, mm -hmm. especially in some of the newer newer communities that are being built just because like, I don't feel comfortable, you know, charging them for something that I know is not going to provide them relief from the reason that they're hiring us. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Fascinating. So back to then the, the traps and, and you mentioned there, there, and, and I can't even repeat the name of the mosquito. Those there's a mosquito that's basically resistant to treatment. What, what, I mean, What's where's the future? Right? I mean, are we going to just eventually get to a point where the mosquitoes uh, are are running uh, Southwest Florida here, or or is there hope for us humans? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's still hope. There's still hope. <laughs> yeah, there are other means of of uh, treatment that we can use. Uh, that's what we do. Uh, that's really kind of you know one of our specialties is the pesticide resistant mosquitoes because we are so involved on the the I guess the, the science end of the business. Uh, yeah. And uh, really it's just, it's changing your approach to combat, you know, other aspects of the life cycle of the mosquito. So there are still many larvicides out there that are incredibly effective against uh, Aedes aegypti, Aedes albopictus and Culex quinquefasciatus. And those are the three pesticide resistant mosquitoes that we have pretty commonly down here. And essentially what larvicide does is uh, what we typically use is a BTI-based larvicide, and that stands for Bacillus thuringiensis israelianus. That's a naturally occurring bacteria in soil all over the globe. So it's uh, essentially um, they isolate the bacteria, they bind it with uh, like a, a product that can be compressed into a granule. And the only organisms in nature that BTI affects when it's introduced to, uh, you know, standing water or 
small bodies of water, anything like that, are mosquitoes in the larval stage, black flies in the larval stage, and gnats in the larval stage. So it has no effect on any of these insects or any other insects, uh, according to the literature, on, uh, on the adult of the species. So it's an incredibly targeted product. It allows us to come in and treat an area that, you know, we feel confident that we're going to break the life cycle of the mosquito, preventing the next generation from emerging and uh, then come in and treat behind with botanicals and other means of uh, controlling the adult population in the area. Uh, and we've got several options that are that are very effective uh, as far as alternative means of control for the adults. So everything from more permanent traps that are instead of trying to you know collect a sample for us to take back to the lab where we need it to be intact in order to study it, there are traps that we can deploy that you know do destroy the mosquito. So uh, there's you know several options there, several options as far as treating the property, and uh, then really kind of the the bread and butter for any kind of pesticide resistant mosquito is going to be breaking the life cycle with a good environmentally friendly larvicide. Well, that uh, provides me relief, Josh. I, I don't think I ever shared the story. And, and, you know, as you were talking earlier about these resistant mosquitoes, uh, years ago, we took our family to uh, Jasper National Park. And I, I, don't, I know you've traveled a lot. Have you ever been there? Uh, I have not been to Jasper, but uh, gorgeous. I'm familiar with it. Yeah, yeah, you know, the Rockies and all that. But um, we were uh, on a bus and, and I forget we were going on a hike or something. And we're looking out the window and we see this guy in a full net gear. And we're, we're looking at you, Barb and I going like, what, what's his deal? And he's just standing there reading a book. And then it's like this surreal thing. And then you realize that all the people around him in the bus stop are like running around and slapping their arms and their neck. And, <laughs> and we're going, what is going on here? And then the bus door opens. <laughs> And everyone rushes in and then this swarm of mosquitoes follow. And now, you know, everyone on the bus is, uh, but I've never seen anything like that in my life. Uh, that was crazy. And, and, uh, it, it was just, you know, as soon as the sun went down, man, it was like, yeah, run for cover. It sounds counterintuitive, <laughs> but you know, some of our Northern States, they have some of the worst problems with mosquitoes in the country. And now granted it's only for, you know, a couple of months a year. And in some cases like uh, up on the frozen tundra in Northern Alaska, they've probably got the highest concentration of mosquitoes anywhere for, you know, six to eight weeks a year. And then the rest of the year they're, they're pretty dormant. Um, But they, they've actually, they've actually killed caribou up there by uh clogging the nostrils and you know consuming that much of their blood like it's you know, uh, i read it there's some documentaries that are pretty interesting a book that i read which uh is just fabulous called land remembered and we found it at lover's key state park in the little gift shop and it's a, it's a book about the history of southwest florida we're really florida back in the 1800s and and the development and and uh the the book was based on uh, the cattle industry and, and what that was like in the 1800s, 1900s. And, and uh, it talked about at one point this uh, rancher who they would have to take the cattle from the east side of the state across to um, 
actually this, this area uh, was it Punta Rusa, um, Fort Myers area where they ship the cattle uh, to Texas and Cuba. But they talked about this one time where it rained and the, the cattle, I forget how many died because of the, the swarms of mosquitoes that I guess, yeah, did that clog the uh, nostrils. I, Absolutely. I think uh, also around that time period uh, in the late 1800s, you had the New York Times every day posting the uh, obituaries of people from Tampa and Jacksonville because yellow fever wiped out over 80 percent of the city's population. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mosquitoes actually kept Florida from becoming a state for a few years after <laughs> uh, the original capital in Port St. Joe. And uh, all the issues that, you know, between yellow fever and uh, you had uh, malaria was really, really rampant in this region, particularly. I think 81% of people uh, that lived in the late 1800s in Cape, in the Cape, now Cape Coral area, uh, mm -hmm. were malarial at some point. So it's, it was well, pretty devastating I, the effect that they had on, you know, not just humans, but like you said, cattle even. So we need to talk about that in a, in a future episode because uh, that, yeah, I, I love that history and, and it applies to this day. I know there are certain things that are going on with transmission of diseases uh, via mosquitoes. So we will, we will talk about that. Maybe we could talk about that the next episode. What do you think? Absolutely. I've actually got some uh, pretty cool documents that I have, uh, <laughs> that I have saved and framed that, that show some, some pretty cool information about that time period and, you know, what people uh, did to kind of stop the spread of stuff that was spread by mosquitoes that they thought was being spread by very different things. Well, awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll have to turn the video camera on for that. I love it. <laughs> well, Josh, another uh, just eye-opening uh, podcast here. Really appreciate you sharing your knowledge and uh, helping those out there. Uh, who are scratching her head and going, but hey, we sprayed and we're praying, but the mosquitoes are still here. Now they maybe have a better understanding of why that is the case and what they can do about it. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have a great day and we'll talk uh, in the next episode. Absolutely. Thank you again, Charlie. Thanks for listening to Mostly Mosquitoes with Josh Neely. To learn more about Mosquito Marshals, go to www.mosquitomarshals.com. That's www.mosquito, M-O-S-Q-U-I-T-O, Marshalls, M-A-R-S-H-A-L-S.com, or call 239-322-2813.